why don't we go ahead and, uh, kids, you can head on upstairs, have fun up there, go party, make a bunch of noise, draw on the windows, all that kind of fun stuff. This this last song, I mean, I, this is the first time I've ever sung that. Is that Gunger? Is that is that who it is? Um, I love it. I love the lyrics of that song. And I hope my prayer is that this for, for all of us today is that we will feel that. I mean, we will feel like God is, is seriously just wrapping us in His arms and, and, and hugging us, just loving on us. Um, we're gonna, welcome to Church Project. And I've got to tell you a couple things. Is um, Man... If you're into flashy, this isn't going to be it for you. Um, if you like a lot of show, this isn't going to be it for you. I mean, we're, we're pretty what? You see it on the wall when you walk out there. and, and Biblical, simple, relevant. And, and I think that's where God wants us. He, he wants us to, as a church, just look at the Bible. Be very biblical in everything that we do. But just look at that and make everything based out of that. Simple? I don't think we need to flash it up. I think the Bible is pretty simple. I think God's Word is pretty simple. I mean, even from this. I mean, here it is. Is. This is it. Uh, and then relevant, I hope today we're speaking a language, a love language of Jesus Christ, and it's something that makes sense to everyone that's hearing it. Whether here or on the podcast or wherever, that's our hope for, for today. Today what I want to talk about um, is I want to talk about how God takes dead things and brings them to life. How God takes something dead and brings it to life. When I say that, it should invoke some kind of feeling or emotion in you that's like, good. Like, I want to hear about this. I want to hear that there's a God that can take something that's dead, anything that's dead, and He can bring it to life. Some of us today are walking around like one of my favorite TV shows that I accidentally fell into, and now Lauren and I are highly addicted, and Brant knows what I'm about to say, but it's The Walking Dead. Anyone of you seen it? It's, 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 it's not good. You shouldn't watch this. I mean, heads getting chopped off with axes. I mean, it's, this, is, this is not good. Um, some of us are walking around today like zombies. We're pale. We're lifeless. We don't have anything in us right now. And some of us need to hear, myself needs to hear, that God loves to take dead things and bring them to life. God came to breathe life into you. And not only that, God came to bring life to the max into you. He wants you to be fully alive. He is mad about you. He is greater than any problem that you can face in this world. He's greater than that. He loves to take anything that's dead and bring it to life. And that's what we're going to talk about today. And we're going to talk about why too. Because to this point, you're like, very cool. God can take dead things and bring them to life. But why? What's, what's the point in all that? Um, can He really, maybe you're sitting here right now and you're thinking, can He really take something that's dead, even people, and raise them from the dead? And I will say this, yes. He does it all the time. God is in the art of giving life. He's the creator of everything that we know. This next weekend, I'm going to be speaking at a camp up in Estes Park. Uh, and so I, I won't be here. Who's preaching next weekend? Do you remember who that is? Well, 
Walsh. No, not you. Who, who is, oh, Darian. Darian will be here. Sorry, I had a, I had a brain fart. I, didn't you ever do that? So, so next weekend, I'm, I'm, pray for me. There's going to be like 400, 500 junior high students. I'm going to be up at this camp speaking. I don't think, I, I didn't get any sleep last night, but next weekend especially. And one of the reasons I love, and I, I love going and speaking at camps is, I remember camps in my life. It, it was just this moment when God started to grab me. I mean, it wasn't this one particular sinner's prayer moment. It was like, like that exists. But it, it was like this moment where God started to get my attention, and He started to wake me up. And so next weekend, I promise promise you, I will see with my eyes people, students, starting to get raised from the dead. I will see people that have no hope, people that are down and out, people that don't know the love of Jesus Christ. And, and God and the Holy Spirit's going to start interjecting love and life and purpose. And I'm going to be in a lot of conversations next week where I'm watching with my eyes people raised from the dead. Do I believe God can raise people from the dead? Yes, I see it all the time. And not only people, but I'm talking things that are dead. Things that are dead in us. Things that you've given up in yourself a long time ago. I'm talking addictions. I'm talking our actions. There's things I promise you that if you knew about me, and maybe I know about you because we're all sinners, that embarrass you. Do you have things in your life that embarrass you? Things that you're addicted to, you're hung up on? I sometimes am so embarrassed and sometimes I feel so dead and I feel so defeated. Anyone else in this with me or is it just me? God wants to take things that are dead and He wants to raise them from the dead. He wants to interject life into our mundane every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. God loves to do that. And can He? Yes. God can really bring dead things to life. Yes, He can. Every day, I've seen it. i got to get rid of this stool. Is that okay? Maybe it's because I'm a little tired from last night. I got up at like 3. I'm just excited for this message. Um, and I hope you got something moving inside you because you're going to need it. So open up your Bible to Luke chapter 2. We're walking through the, the whole book of Luke. That's what we do. We've been doing it since the beginning of January. We've Congratulations, made it to chapter 2. So on course, we're going to be here for 10 years, and it's going to be great. <laughs> Luke chapter 2, we're only covering three verses today. And then Darian next week is going to take like 150 verses. But today, I just I couldn't get past these three verses. They, they really kind of messed me up. And my prayer, and I say this every week, is that um, we can begin to whet your appetite for Scripture here. I mean, I'm not that smart of a man. I can give you some observations. I can do some studying and, and read commentaries and whatever else I do and really pray over this. And I think God's got an incredible message for us today. But if it ends right here, why come? I mean, you just listen on the podcast or something. Our joy and our, our hope and our prayer is that it whets your appetite, that you'll take this and you'll begin to study it. And I don't care if you know who God is or not, but there's so much life in here. And I feel jealous as a, or, or selfish as a pastor. And our house church pastors are starting to get this as well. And if you ever have to teach the Bible, you get this as well. I feel selfish because when I get to study this, I get to study this, and and my hand's held to the fire because I'm going to be talking about it every week. I learn stuff like I've never learned before. Can you guys all act like you have to give a message next weekend? Can you? Because I promise you, you will learn so much by doing that. So, enough of that. Excuse me. The prom smoke. There's no smoke, though. (laughs) Allie, you did an awesome job, man. That was cool. And everyone else that was involved. 
Luke chapter 2, verse 21 through 24. I'm going to read through them and then we'll go back and pick them apart. Eight days after his birth, this is the birth of Jesus. Okay? Eight days after his birth, the baby was circumcised in keeping with Jewish religious requirements. <clears throat> and he was named Jesus, the name the messenger had given him before his conception in Mary's womb. After Mary had observed the ceremonial days of postpartum purification required by Mosaic law, she and Joseph <clears throat> brought Jesus to the temple in Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. They were fulfilling the Lord's requirement that every firstborn Israelite male would be dedicated to the Eternal One as holy. They also offered the sacrifice required by the law of the Lord, two turtle doves and two young pigeons. Okay, let's begin. It. I want to begin to pack, uh, unpack this and pull this apart. Remember, keep this in your mind, okay? How God, He loves to take dead things and He loves to bring them to life. So in verse 21, eight days after His birth, the baby was circumcised. Circumcised. I want to focus on this word. For all the guys in here, we're kind of, we're kind of shivering a little bit. Um, but, but what I want to talk about is I want, to, I want to kind of look at this and go this. Okay, circumcision in this time, really, it, it, was, a, it was a thing that set the Jewish people people apart from the Gentile people. And Jesus, He's God's only Son, is, is born on this earth. He's sinless. And one of the things as I, as I look at this, Jesus is going to get circumcised right here. I look at the power and I look at the strength and I look at how much Jesus shows humility, comes down as a human, a male human, and he goes to great lengths for us, even to the lengths at the beginning of eight days old that he's going through circumcision. Can you begin to see how much this Jesus that we sang about a little bit ago, how he even in his birth and even just days old comes in and starts to pain over us and pain for us. He has no sin. He has no reason to be circumcised. Yet he becomes man and he becomes to go through the system that he needs to go through to show us how much he loves us. He's madly in love with us. I like this time. This time period. Because in this time period, what's happening is Jesus is now born. And in a very real way, He bridges the era of law and prophets that we know about in the Old Testament. All the laws and the prophets. Jesus is born and He, he ushers in this new season of the Messiah. And so he's going through this. He's going through the law and the prophets. And the law was you need to get circumcised. So Jesus is doing that. And even at the same time, he begins to usher in this new era that says there is a Messiah. Why does this matter to us? And have I lost you yet? This matters to us a great deal. Because it's a word that we use a lot here. And it's one word that starts with G, not God. Another G word. Can anyone guess it? Nope. Grace. He ushers in this season that says law must do blah, blah, blah to grace. And grace means everything to me. Because I mess up all the time. It's by grace that we are saved, not works, so no man can boast. The Old 
Old Testament had a lot of works, a lot of stuff going on. Jesus ushers in this new season. And God is excited to give Jesus to us. Why this word grace means so much is that we can't earn a place in heaven. So why do you and I, and maybe you don't, but I do, why do I try to circumcise things in my life, cut off things from my life, that just, you know what, I'm trying to earn my way to heaven. And if you said, okay, I'm going to stop drinking, I'm going to stop cussing, I'm going to prove how much I love Jesus, so then He can begin to love me even more. Anyone ever done that? You, you, you feel bad, you made some mistakes. So then you make this long list of things that you're going to change in your life and never ever do again, uh, because you're going to prove Prove to God how much he, you love Him. So then He'll begin to love you more. And it's this vicious cycle. Any of you ever get caught in this cycle? It's like, okay, I'm doing good. I'm feeling good. I'm in love with God. Hallelujah. And then I go and I do something wrong. And then I feel terrible. And I'm like, oh, no. Sorry, God. I'm going to try better. I'm going to read my Bible ten times harder tomorrow. And so then you make this list of things that you get to do to earn His love back. And, and then you're, you're doing great. And, you, you know, and then pretty soon you're in this cycle of this work space and you're not really understanding what grace is and grace all along Jesus is saying man I've come and I'm bridged this era and the era was law and prophets and I'm ushering in this Messiah and I've died for you I'm the ultimate sacrifice for you God doesn't care so much about your works and what you do what God really wants is God wants your heart God wants your heart a couple guys and I have been talking through <clears throat> this verse, Matthew fifteen nineteen. If you have your Bible, flip it open to that. It's this little section, Matthew fifteen nineteen, and this is what it says. It's a beautiful section. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, thieves, false testimony, slander. I mean, we might as well take the list and just keep on going. But where does it come from? It comes from the heart. And so God is looking at us. Jesus is looking at us, especially in this time. He's looking and He's saying, you know what, Aaron? I know that you mess up and I know you're going to do bad things and you have done and you will do. But here's this thing called grace. And what I want is I want your heart. I really, really want your heart. Because I know out of your heart is your actions. I know that when you killed that man, it was because your heart was far from me. I know, Aaron, that when you looked at her with lust in her eye, in your eyes, it's because your heart is far from me and your actions, I'm not so concerned about your heart. I'm so concerned about. I want your heart. And so in a very real sense, you can write this down. It's not a hand condition. It's a heart condition. It's not a hand condition because my hands can do all sorts of bad. My hands can also do all sorts of good. And it's not going to make Jesus love me or hate me. It's my heart, and that's what Jesus wants more than anything. Yeah, Aaron, I, I get that. I get that God wants my heart. But you don't know the cycle I'm in. You don't know the sin. You don't know the depths. You don't know the destruction I do over and over and over again. And I don't know how to stop. It's going to be a little awkward for one guy in here because I'm going to quote him. I heard a quote this week through a text from a, from a guy named Todd Welsh who's sitting right here. The pastor 
of Waypoint's church, and I, can, I have not been able to get this quote out of my head. And it says this, Don't tell God about your mountains. <clears throat> tell the mountains about your God. That says it all, man. Don't tell God about your mountains, but tell your mountains about your God. If your heart is in love with God and you're chasing after Him, these great big mountains called addiction and death and all the stuff that piles up against us, we get to speak into those scenarios our love for God. And He begins to restore our heart, give us hope and joy. God loves to take dead things, dead people, dead addictions, dead whatever it may be, and bring them to life. So why do we try to circumcise all this stuff out of our life like we're going to earn God's love? When He says, I want your heart. I want your heart. Let's go on to verse 22. After Mary had observed the ceremonial days of postpartum purification required by Mosaic law, I just want to pause right there because I'm a little bored with it, but I want to pause right there. Purification, law, you get where we're coming from. Mary, Joseph, they, I mean, they're, they're of an Old Testament time and they haven't quite got this Savior thing yet. And so what do they do? They, they, they have to go and purify themselves. And uh, lucky for them, um, 40 days for boys is, is what happens has to happen to be purified once you give birth. Then 80 days for a girl. So good thing Jesus wasn't a girl. That'd be 80 days of purification. And all that's just law stuff. And I want you to grab an that verse right there, that it's law. Look, look, they have to obey this law. Birth, 40 days, 80 days. Purify law. Do it. <coughs> Continue on. She and Joseph brought Jesus to the temple in Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. They were fulfilling the Lord's requirements that every firstborn Israelite male will be dedicated to the eternal one as holy. They also offered the sacrifice required by the law of the Lord, two turtle doves or two young pigeons. I want to take that section right there. And I want to highlight, just kind of recap a little bit of what's happened. And then I want to jump in on this because this is where I think God is going to grab a lot of our hearts today. Really. Do you want God to show you something cool today about who He is? This section right here, get ready. You know, I mean, you might have to stand up and get moving. I mean, I don't, I don't, know, I don't know what, but I want to highlight a couple things. Because I see God's love here so much for Aaron Havens. And I hope you see it so much for you. Mary and Joseph, what's the first thing they do? They come and they bring Jesus in the latter part of verse 22. They brought Jesus to the temple. And what do they do after they brought Him? Later in verse 23, they dedicated Him to the Lord, to God. And then, then, then the middle part of verse 24, they offered a sacrifice. So they brought Jesus, they dedicated Him to the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice Okay, Mary and Joseph brought their only son, Jesus, to the Lord. They dedicated him to the Lord and they offered a sacrifice. I can't help but think that there's things in my life. They brought their only son 
to, to the temple. They brought Jesus to the temple. That's everything in their life. Their only son. I can't help but think how many things in my life I hold back from God. Mary and Joseph brought their all. They surrendered everything that they had to the Lord. And why did they bring Jesus there? To dedicate him. To basically buy him back from God. This is an Old Testament thing. And there's a funny word that's called redeemed. And the word redeemed means to purchase back. To buy back from God. And so in a very real sense. Mary and Joseph took Jesus. Their only son to the temple. Brought him there to dedicate him. And they were saying and not acknowledging. That their baby Jesus belonged to God. Who alone has the power to give life. And they then offered a sacrifice to, to God to buy back, to redeem, to purchase back their son, Jesus. Okay, what does this mean to us? And what does this mean in our life? This is where we enter into this picture. Raise your hand. Go ahead, raise your hand. Okay, you're a human. We enter into the picture right here. By this very act of Mary and Joseph, they realized that Jesus was their gift from God. They took him to the temple. They dedicated him. They offered a sacrifice. And he was theirs. Our life is this. Jesus was born God offered His Son, His only Son, as a sacrifice for us so that we may be bought back. Let me say that again. Jesus was born, God's only Son, who later died on a cross for our sins so that we would be bought back. Bought back from what? Death. From every wrong thing that we've ever done, and will ever do, from every sin. Jesus died on the cross for us, and we were bought back. What were we bought back from? Every relationship that we have in this earth. Okay, just go with me for a second. We were bought back from every relationship we have on this earth. Jesus wants to redeem and buy back every relationship we have. Here's where we're going. Relationship to cards, playing cards. We have a relationship to them. Playing cards, our relationship to our wife, our relationship to our husband, our relationship to money, our relationship to cars, our relationship to free time, our relationship to food, our relationship to serving other people, our relationship to the internet, our relationship to every single thing that we have on this earth, things, people, places, our relationship to those, Jesus wants to buy those back because as humans we're sinful and we need a God who is perfect and he says, I sent my only son for you to die on a cross for you to buy back every relationship that you're in, all the cars, all the cars, all the hearts, everything that you're in because what I want is your heart. 
And all your actions, everything that you inter- inter- interact with, your, this music stand, everything right here has purpose and has meaning because God bought those relationships back. And He knows that if we kill that man, our heart's far from Him. And He knows that He's paid for that already. And He knows that if we begin to give our heart to Him, our actions begin to show Him love. Why does He do all this? Why has He gone through such links to send His only Son to die as a sacrifice for us, to buy us back in every relationship to everything that we know? Why has He done this? He did it for Psalms 106 verse 8 and a lot of other places. Yet He saved them for His name's sake to make His mighty power known. You know what this means? God loves you. Can you say God loves me? Okay. If He loves you, you begin to understand it. He begins to grab your heart. Does He love your neighbor? Look to your neighbor and say, God loves you. When God grabs your heart, things start to change. It's not a hand condition, it's a heart condition. One of the joys that I have is studying this scripture, being able to speak on it on Sundays and whenever else. And in the process of me doing this, God begins to show me things about Him. And more, even than that, God begins to show me how much He loves me. And once I begin to understand how much God loves me, my relationship to things don't matter so much anymore. Because I'm understanding a greater depth. And that's my actions will never be perfect. And God already paid for those, redeemed those, brought those back. Why? So my heart would be drawn to Him. Why does He want my heart drawn to Him? So I'll smile at my neighbor. And their heart will begin to be drawn to Him. My actions will begin to line up with my heart. And then I'll mess up. And then I'll do it again. And hopefully this, I never give up on God. Because He never gives up on me. We just we're just saying about that. God never gives up on us. God takes dead things and brings them to life. Why? For his name's sake. So that the world will point to Jesus and say, It's for you and for your glory. God, everything I have, all my interactions with all my relationships, may I use this pencil to glorify you. Does that seem mundane? Does that seem mundane? Can you glorify God with a pencil? Yes. And it gives Him great joy when you do that. Because out of your heart, you get to glorify God. So God loves to take dead things and bring them back to life. He takes dead dreams. Elizabeth, we just read about her a couple chapters ago, last chapter. Elizabeth, her dream of not having a a child. She's old. She's way old. She can't have a child. God restores, brings that to, to to life. He, he brings that dead thing to life. He fulfills that dead dream. What about dead people? 
All throughout the Bible, there's dead people that, that God brings back to life. Even that sick girl. Remember the sick girl that everyone gave up on and said, hey, don't go heal her. She's already dead. And he's like, oh no, uh-uh. I bring dead things back to life. And he goes and he heals that sick girl, that sick girl that was dead. He brings her back from the dead. Has God done that in your life? Has he brought you back from the dead? Has he broken those addictions? God loves to take dead ends. Dead ends. When you look at your life and those mountains are huge, he loves to take those dead ends and bring them back to life. Think about Joseph in the pit. He was thrown in the pit, left for dead, okay, and then sold to slavery, put in jail. He takes dead ends and brings them back to life. Have you ever felt like you've been in a dead end? Have you? Turn it on. Jesus is there. He loves to bring that. What about the Red Sea? They come to the Red Sea. They have nowhere to go. God brings that to life. He parts the Red Sea. What about your life? What mountains, what Red Sea is in your life? God wants to bring dead things to life. What about our dead thoughts? Wow, those get me every day. Satan speaks into my head death and destruction and despair. And he makes me think I can't do it and I'm not good enough. But oh, Jesus died for me and it's not about me. It's about Jesus and his power. I can take these thoughts and surrender them to Jesus because Jesus says, I have hope. I have joy. I have a future. I'm not dead. I'm alive in him. Are you getting this? Are you understanding this? Jesus takes dead things and he brings them to life. What does that do to you? I better stop before I yell and lose my voice. I just can't understand what he's doing here. Because I don't understand it. You come up and start playing guitar and make us feel good. That's good, man. Come on. Get up here. It's like this for me. Am I passionate about it? Yes, because every day... God redeems, buys back dead things in my life. Maybe you're perfect and you've got it all together. We need to have coffee. But I doubt you are. I mean, I'm thinking yesterday of the armory. The armory. You know how dirty that place was before waypoints went in there? You know the addictions that started there when it was a nightclub? The naked ladies on the wall, the drugs, the death that was in that place? You know that? If not, research it. It's a building that's been full of death. Physical death. Last night, what did we get to do? Because of Todd and waypoints, we got to go there and we got to have a prom. It was an awesome prom. But you know the part of the prom? That was the best for me. fun. That's good. But if you went upstairs and you went into Tower 21, that used to be a hidden room. When it was a nightclub, many people started their addictions there. points in the church, our church goes there. 
They buy back that building. They tear down that wall. They have Bible studies in that room. And some of the men and women that are in those Bible studies started their addiction in that room. Pulled from death. Redeemed. Bought back. Grace covers their life. And so we had a party there last night. And there were people there that were celebrating that's where their addiction started. It's not there anymore. It's broken. Holy Spirit's in that place, and it's an awesome building. Every day I wake up, Satan wants to kill, still, and destroy me, my thoughts, my actions, my attitude, the way I interact with my girls, with my wife. It's, it's just there. But God's grace and His love covers me and says, I've already bought that back. I've redeemed that. I've purchased that. I've offered that sacrifice to Jesus. You don't have to pay that price because I love you. And I've brought that dead thing, whatever it may be, to life. I brought it to life. Some of us need to reprogram our mind. Oftentimes I watch the channel in my mind of VCC. And I need to tune more into channel VCC. Because you know what that channel is? Victory channel in Christ. When Satan comes and starts to whisper death and destruction to your ears and your heart, you can watch that channel or you can turn the channel to VCC. Victory, victory channel in Christ. You can claim the promises. You can say, I'm not dead because Jesus has paid for me. Addiction, be broken. Let me tell you about my Savior. We speak to those mountains about how powerful God is. He begins to break that stuff down. Stop thinking that that mountain is too big because it's not. Stop walking around like zombies dead because we're not. When we've surrendered our life to Jesus Christ and He grabs our heart, it changes everything. The next time you find yourself facing a mountain in your life, tell that mountain about your God. Spend time getting to know this beautiful King, this Savior, this Lord, and let Him whisper how much He loves you. What I want to do is if we can stand up right now, just close your Bibles. If you're comfortable with it, just just hold out your hands in front of you and, and just simply just say, God, I receive whatever you want to show me and tell me today us if we'll go into a time of of worship here, just telling God who He is and how awesome He is. That's why we're here, so that the world will know His name. And so, I'm going to ask us to just worship Him. Some of us, as we're just standing there with our hands out and, and just saying, God, I accept this, and You are holy, You're beautiful, You're my King, You're my Savior. Some of us, we may need to just sit back down in our chair and, and let the Holy Spirit work in us or pray or, or, or pray or, or just, I don't know. Man, there's a connection card in your chair. Maybe you can flip that over and write what God's doing in your heart. Some of us, over on your right, there's, there's communion and there's an offering table over there. Some of us will, will be worshiping God by, by giving of our, of our finances and saying, God, yes, I want to worship you with this because it has no control in my life. You've re-
redeemed even that relationship to finance and cash and money. God, it's yours anyways. Some of us, we're, we're, we're doing just communion and we're taking the piece of bread and we're dipping it in the grape juice and remembering how much God went through, Jesus went through to redeem us, to buy us back. So we're not dead, we're alive. However you want to worship God right now, I pray that you do it. You do it just with, with passion. Let's continue our worship that we had last night at the prom, the dancing up and down, the hands in the air, and let's worship God this morning. Let's tell him how awesome he is. I'm up here. If, if anyone would like to pray, there's other people that would like to pray with you, especially if you don't know who this King, this Savior, this Lord is. I want to whisper his greatness into you because Jesus loves to take dead things and bring them to life. Amen.